Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Roots of Life podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to find out more about the Roots of Life podcast, feel free to check out rootsoflifepodcast.com. You can also reach out to us at rootsoflifepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rootsoflifepod. We also do have an Instagram handle at Roots of Life Podcast where you can see tons of inspirational quotes and beautiful landscapes. Uh, but yeah, so thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Roots of Life Podcast. This is episode 21. So we've cleared the 20 milestone episodes, podcast episodes, number of episodes, I guess. Yeah, that would make sense. Anyways, I am Taylor. I am one of your two hosts joined by He Only Does Everything, James Fitzgerald. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. 21, this podcast can now legally drink. So today we are talking, well, that's in the States, of course, all over the world it can legally drink. So today we're going to talk about National Beer Day, which was April 7th, and we'll also talk about the idea of a trade economy or trading services for other services. So Taylor, I have one fabulous question. What is your favorite kind of beer? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm kind of a pale ale guy. I like IPAs as well. You know, I like a bitter hoppy beer. Yeah. You know, uh all the flavor in there. Yeah, I like the Driftwood F- Fat Tug IPA, just a common one Ooh. in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, that one's a really popular IPA. Yeah, actually. it's really good. It's, it's really it, good. There's nothing better than going up to a bartender or a server and just asking them if you can get a fat tug. <laughs> can I get a fat tug, please? Yes, and it's it's always comical. Like you always get a good laugh out of it. So, is twenty one. In the USA, is that the highest legal drinking age in on the globe, on the earth? I believe so. Really? I didn't know that. I mean, I mean there's some countries that, like, due to, like, religious reasons, they don't um, really allow drinking at all. Yeah. It's, like, prohibition kind of states still. Or they don't want you to. Obviously, you can still get things everywhere. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think 21 is, like, the, the highest age uh, for drinking. So I think the state's slowing people's drinking down the most. Probably a good thing. Yeah, they're allowed to have guns and stuff, so it's probably good. (laughs) 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 That's all I think about. It's like, hmm, yeah, let's just wait a few more years before you can drink with your gun. You You can have a gun. You can go overseas to war. You can shoot people, but you can't have a beer. Not even one. Yeah. How ridiculous I is mean, that? I mean, I I don't know anybody that I've met that's from the States that didn't drink before 21. Well, obviously. Well, I mean, yeah, but yeah, legally, you're not allowed to. But now that this podcast is allowed to drink, <laughs> we, we can talk about beer. So And the things you do when drinking beer. <laughs> you do when drinking beer, yeah. Like putting toques over your headphones. Um, so there's basically only two real types of beer. Everything else is kind of like a spinoff of those two types. It's basically lagers and ales. 
And the main difference is that lagers are fermented um, in a cold environment, cold temperatures. I'm going to and ferment you. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to <laughs> be all sour and grumpy after the fermentation process. I would be. Yeah, and ales are fermented in a warm climate. So that's basically your two differences, and everything else is kind of like flavor profiles and differences with your with your mash, your wort, and all these. Fancy beer terms that I'm not even close to educated in enough. I was reading a How to Brew Beer book like a few, a couple hours ago, trying to get myself back into the the idea of talking about beer. Well, you've worked you've worked with beer quite a bit. I have, yeah. I was a bartender for a few years, and I one of my favorite things is beer. I drink a lot of it, and I I like to I like to learn about the process of making the beer and why it tastes the way it does. And, and that sort of thing. And I do actually eventually want to make my own beer, but it's just currently not in the near future at the moment. But it's still in the future. It's still in the future. Exactly. But yeah, so a pale ale and an IPA, which are your two favorites, are um, versions of an ale. Um, I don't know what makes them so different, but they... The IPA has more of like the bitterness from the hop, so it's more of a hop-forward profile, which is where you get differences with within ales and lagers. You can have that hop-forward or that malt-forward. That's where you get like a lot of different flavor profiles. Um, so malt usually has that like caramel, that rich, darker flavors, whereas the hops have the lighter, crisper, even more bitter flavors. I had a stout last night, a milk stout. Oh, a milk stout. Yeah, it was interesting. I don't know how I felt about it. You know, well, how did it make you feel? It didn't make my stomach feel very good. Oh. I think subconsciously I was thinking about like milk and liquor in the same yeah. kind of, you know, not liquor, but, you know, alcohol and milk in the same beverages. And it, I think subconsciously it just kind of screwed with me. And so I started to think like, am I feeling sick? Is my stomach kind of rumbly right now? <laughs> and then um. I just decided that it was time to go lay down. That's fair. I don't know if I've had a milk stout, but I've definitely had like an oatmeal stout and a few other different kinds. But oatmeal stouts are really good. I, I find a lot of them, or the one I had, had a really nice vanilla texture to it or flavor to it. Stouts, I find, don't they generally quite often have, you know, those dark flavors? Yeah, they have like the darker chocolate or caramel flavors to them. Yeah. Usually. But yeah, the vanilla, that was what, that's what. Uh, drew me to it i really like i really like the f the vanilla flavor in a beer because it's it's sometimes it's hard to find you usually get those darker chocolate flavors or or the even the caramel way more often than i've i've found vanilla flavors so when i do find one with vanilla for example there was um tree brewing did a a winter ale a few years back they've since changed their recipe but it was predominantly uh, a caramel flavor but then the aftertaste was just pure vanilla, and it was amazing. I'm pretty sure I had one of those with you. Probably. I tried to get everybody to drink those. Yeah, I think I had had, we had hung out one or two, once or twice in Nanaimo, obviously, as we have many times. But uh, when you had that beer, and you and I tried one or two, and they were quite good, from what I remember, if it's the beer I'm thinking of. I'm pretty sure it is, though. 
Oh, probably. Yeah, I went back and tried to get them the next year, but they had changed the flavor. So, and mm. since then, it's they've changed it instead of like a darker winter ale, it's like a medium-bodied winter ale. So it's it's very different now, but still good. Now, what is your preference? Are you more of a, a lager or on the ale side of things? I'm definitely more on the ale side. I like you. I like the the IPAs, the pale ales. I find um, that they have more flavor to them, especially yeah. the IPAs. Um, a lot of people can't get past like the bitterness of them, which they're, they're hop forward, so you get that bitterness. But I find once you kind of acquire the taste for the bitterness, there's like a layers of different flavors um, behind it, basically. Yeah. So they're just they're just more flavorful to me. But I do really like to drink the lagers in like the warmer summer months where it's not as heavy to drink. Mm. It's like you get that crisp flavor. It's kind of light and you can have a, a whole bunch of them and you don't really feel it. You get home from work after a long day and it's really hot and you were sweating a lot. All mm -hmm. you want to do is like a lager is good for that because you can kind of just pound it back and it's just exactly. crisp and it's like just like kind of goes down quite easily. Yeah, you don't have to worry about like, oh, there's so many flavors. It's not as heavy in the in the gut as well. No. So, yeah. A lot of IPAs, like uh, like a Driftwood Fat Tug, I can mm -hmm. only have two or three, you know? Yeah. I, after that, it just becomes so heavy and it's a lot to handle. Yeah, definitely. And they get you That's... hella drunk. <laughs> That's actually one of the reasons I like the um, India Session Ales. They're... They're they're less bitter and less uh, heavy than than an original pale ale, so you, it's it's just a little bit lighter, but you still get that the flavor and the bitterness to it. It's weird. Like, why why are they called an ISA? Do you know? No, I don't. But I, I will look that up right now. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure someone told me that it's because you like the word session. You're only supposed to have a session with it, like you have sort of one or two kind of thing, which is kind of why it's similar to a pale ale. But it's like because they're they're strong and they're like you know very flavorful and heavy, and so I thought people wouldn't dr normally drink sort hmm. sort of like a you know like a dessert wine. Yeah, you know you wouldn't just have glasses after glass, you know, because it's just. It's just Not too suit. strong. Yeah, it's just too sweet. strong or too sweet or whatever. So, from that from what that was what my understanding. Yeah, I think it's. I think you're on pretty much on the ball there. What I was reading is that a lot of a lot of the like um, stronger flavor from the I, um, IPA and that bitterness also is in part because of the higher alcohol content. I mean, originally um, IPAs were made with a higher alcohol content and that bitter flavor, so that they could travel from from Britain to India on the on the ships, basically, and and they would last that longer because of the alcohol in them. Hmm. Um, so that's I, I believe that's how they started. Um, so what I've just read is that an India Session Ale is is all the same like flavor profile. It's supposed to have the same IBU, which is your your bitterness units. That's kind of how people tell it how hoppy the beer is um but half the alcohol by volume so it's less alcohol content to it but still the same flavor profile interesting yeah so that's if you just want to have the flavor of it and you want to have like a small one or something and then yeah it's it's, it's like it's like the lager of the that. the ipas i find lagers so boring same they I, all kind of taste the same 
I find, yeah, they, they just have that, like, that plain, like, Budweiser, barley kind of taste to them. They're yeah. just like, oh, okay. It's like, you, you hear people, like, some people will defend certain lagers. Like, I find, mm-hmm. I know, they're very generic, and I feel like most of your average man will enjoy the lagers. You know, I mean, yeah. like the Molson Canadians or the Budweiser's or the Coconies. Yeah, there there's those things that anybody can drink and anybody can enjoy it. It's just not it's not good. It's just like that average mediocre middle of the road beer. Yeah. I, I relate them to McDonald's. <laughs> it, yeah. In the way it's just like every time you get it, like you know exactly what you're getting. And the brand is so recognizable and it's like universal across the map, you know? That's fair. You just you're never taking a risk with it. Like you know ex- every time you pick up a Budweiser, every time you pick up a Molson, it's just the yeah. same thing. Every time you get a box of McDonald's fries or a Big Mac, like you know exactly what you you're getting. You know what it's going to taste like, you know yeah. exactly how it's going to look. It's never going to change. Like the picture. No, never <laughs> like the picture. <laughs> yeah. So, I have an interesting um I wouldn't call it a fact. It's more of like a theory that I was told when I was in evolutionary psychology. So one of this theory that I was told from my professor was that it has been theorized that beer was one of the reasons that human beings stopped being nomadic. So instead of traveling and following herds of animals um, to keep themselves alive, they settled down and they think, it was because of beer having to be fermented and basically like held in a, a dry place was part of the reason for that. So you have to, cause you can't move it around too much. Otherwise it aerates it too much. You can get different cultures and things into it and then it's no good. So it has to be stable, dry, basically just has to be sedentary. It has to sit there. So they think that might be why people stopped being nomads and traveling around following herds of wild animals. So people wanted to cultivate it and make it and get drunk, and so they mm-hmm. stopped moving. Yeah, that's what they think. That sounds pretty accurate, because when I get drunk and I wake up in the morning, <laughs> I don't want to move either. I don't want to go anywhere either. No, I just lay there, <laughs> and I don't want to move for the entire I'm day. I'm not going hunting today. No. I, <laughs> no. So that's probably when people, well, no, I guess. That's, but that's kind of when they think... started to like make farms, because you need to make beer. You also need to be farming, um, farming that wheat and those things. So. And then yeah, that was certain the people reason. would go off hunting, and some people mm. would make barley, and some people would do this. and yeah. That makes sense, I guess. I mean, I don't know how how much like facts that factual information there is there, but I just thought it was a really cool theory that beer was played a part in humans settling down and making little communities. You think there was of... just one warden who like got hammered on some moonshine one night, tried it out, and then all of a sudden was just, "We're not going anywhere. We gotta make more of their shit." Like <laughs> they came across some like some wheat or something put it in a barrel and it got wet and they left it and they're like whatever let's just drink it (laughs) fermented and they were drunk maybe i don't know that's one theory it's possible let let us know if you have any theories as to why humans stop being nomadic (laughs) and the origin origins of beer yeah let us know (laughs) at roots of life pod on twitter you can also email us roots of life podcast at gmail.com Jimmy, have you tried any new beer recently? Any new oh. beers that you're 
advocating. I would love to give a shout out to a certain brewery. It's the newest brewery in Nanaimo that I know of. Um, White Sales Brewery. Probably mentioned them before because I love them so much. Everything they make is amazing. But I was recently there on April 7th for National Beer Day. And I just I had so many other different different beers. I can't I can't even tell you what I had, kind of because I don't remember. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they were doing a cask night, which means they they have like a small cask of beer that um, for like four bucks you get like a little f- uh, four to six ounce glass or whatever it is, and it was a ginger lemon. Uh, he- hmm. I don't remember what type of beer, but it was ginger lemon, like half or something like that. It was a lighter, like lager kind of style beer. Ooh, and that sounds delicious. It was actually really good. It was like this nice, like lemon flavor with a hint of ginger. The only thing that like I didn't like about it, which had no fault of the beer. It was just the fact that like in my lifetime, I've had like ginger and lemon mixed together as like a remedy for, for being sick. Mm. So like the first thing that it hit me was like, oh, it's like medicine. So it's going to make me sick in the morning. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I wasn't though. I was good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a really good beer. Uh, really good flavor profile. Really crisp, clean to drink. And just all around good, good mouthfeel. Awesome. Yeah. Well, if anybody's in the Vancouver Island area, I'm assuming it's probably outside of Vancouver Island. Maybe in Vancouver, maybe Seattle. Who knows? Yeah. But check out White Sailing? White Sailing White Breweries? Sales. White, White Sales, sales Breweries. Breweries. So yeah. we do not get paid to say that. <laughs> They're down um, by the waterfront in Nanaimo. There you go. If you're touristing on Vancouver Island, scope check them out. Check it out. Yes, sir. So, Taylor, do you have any interesting beer facts for the people? I wrote a couple down. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. In 1991, President George Bush signed a bill which raised taxes on luxuries such as furs, yachts, private jets, jewelry, expensive cars. And it's the same bill that nearly doubled the tax on beer. Bush called for the repeal of the tax just two years later, and while most of the taxes included in the bill were eventually repealed, the tax on beer remained in place and is still there today. Well. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they would leave the beer part in there but take all of the other stuff away? Beer is the drink of the lower class, whereas other luxury things like yachts, private jets, and jewelry and expensive cars are not that's my guess my guess is that he got paid my guess is lobbyists well that's what i mean like those lobbyists and people that can afford those private jets furs and yachts would say hey i don't want to be taxed extra for these things but we don't care about beer yeah exactly because it costs a lot more i'm sure the the taxes that you pay on private jets and jewelry and yachts and expensive cars is a lot higher than five cents you're gonna pay on that beer and mm-hmm. you don't need and for the guys on wall street like you don't even pay taxes on cocaine <laughs> <laughs> oh man. The, the drug of choice for the rich and famous exactly. i love it the, the most expensive state to buy a beer maybe tennessee where a state 
excise taxes reach a whopping one point two nine per gallon. A dollar twenty nine per gallon. Sorry, the highest in the country. The cheapest state to buy a beer, Wyoming, where the excise tax is just point zero two dollars, two cents. Well, I am gonna go travel Wyoming. <laughs> Cheap beer. Cheap beer. I've heard really good things about Ohio beer, and like Portland. Yeah. You know, like yeah. just like the like up, upper and... northwest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've also. Um, San Diego apparently also has like amazing beers, like great, um, craft brewery scene. Mm. I had a friend that went down there for a couple weeks simply just to travel around and go to as many craft breweries and like food trucks and cool stuff like that as he could for like the week and a bit. It was cool. like literally like an eat and drink vacation. That's awesome. Yeah. That's what vacation should be. Right? <laughs> Travel somewhere and go eat and try new things, eat food and yeah. uh try new drinks and you know have good times and new experiences. It's funny. The reference I made uh from the logger to McDonald's was uh from a story that someone had told me about they I forget where, they were somewhere I think in France or Italy or Venezuela, somewhere out in Europe. And it was just this. Venezuela's in South America. Sorry. <laughs> I think. What's what's the one? Venice. Venice, yeah. Venice. That's what I'm thinking of. Sorry. That's fair. Um, and he said, you know, it was just like the ideal evening setting. The sun is setting, and it's just beautiful. And there's like the canals, and people are rowing down the canals, and mm-hmm. uh, they're sitting on a restaurant balcony, having a glass of wine, and these Americans just like come slopping down the road with their big bag of mcdonald's (laughs) and it just like totally killed the vibe and pulled him out of that immersion and out of that uh scenario which is why it makes me think about how even in a place like that where you go vacationing to try these new things and have these new drinks and new food and new experiences they will still certain people not just americans but certain people will cling to that thing that they understand they'll yeah, that, that comfortable part of the, the like trip. I, yeah they know exactly what they're gonna get when they buy that mcdonald's they don't want to try the random italian pasta or you know pizza that they're not familiar with you know they yeah. they know what they're getting when they buy that big mac they know what they're getting when they get that mcdonald's that's fair yeah that same friend actually that went down to san diego he now lives in korea and he's been sending me like pictures and stuff of all the random food and um, beers as well that he's been drinking, and and he's just been trying so many weird things. One of them was like the other day; it was just like octopus and squid that still had like ink sacs in it. So when you eat it, it like pops and oh my goodness! Yeah, I was like, that is super gross to me, but like good on you for trying it. I wonder like, if it tastes go. good though. Yeah, I have no idea. I didn't actually ask. It's just like that's cool. <laughs> that's interesting. But. I wonder if it would. St- I imagine it, like, staining your teeth. That's what I was thinking. I was like, wouldn't that, like, the color be really gross to see? Like, like permanently. Just, I imagine, like, you know, if you eat, uh, like, a sucker or something, mm-hmm. or, you know, how it, like, kind of stains your teeth yeah. and they go blue. You know, I picture that, but, like, blue, purpley ink. Yeah, I don't know. I actually black. know what color squid ink is, but. I think it's just black. Is it just black? I picture, yeah, like, so blackish purple, like, you know? Yeah. It makes me think of, like. You know, like zombie films where like the zombies have these like black gnarly teeth 
and they're all just like coming at you. I feel like if you walked into that restaurant unknowing as to what they served, you just look around and be like, whoa, why do all these people have like black, gross teeth? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Okay. I've got a couple more facts here. Okay. Egypt was likely the first civilization to tax beer. Oh. Que- Queen Cleopatra imposed a tax on beer in order, she claimed, to discourage public drunkenness though it is widely believed that the tax was actually used to raise money to fund a war with rome hmm i mean either way either way she started a trend and fuck you cleopatra (laughs) you you suck yeah Uh, another cool fact beer is the most popular alcoholic beverage in the united states according to a 2016 gallup poll 43 percent of americans who drink alcohol say they prefer beer 32% 32% say wine and 20% say liquor. In 2015, the federal government collected $3.6 billion in excise taxes on domestic and imported beer alone. That's not including liquor or wine. $3.6 billion in 2015 just from local and imported beers. Wow. That's crazy. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's a lot of money. So I'm sure that built a couple jets for the war. <laughs> <laughs> just a couple <laughs> may not be at war with rome but you know you're doing well usa in 1695 great britain raised taxes on beer making gin the cheapest beverage in england gin was taxed at about two pennies per gallon while beer was taxed at four or sorry about 57 pennies per gallon 57 cents hmm. per gallon the difference in price is considered the root of a serious drinking problem in the country of the 18th century especially among the poor oh wow so That's yeah cool. just a couple little interesting just a couple facts little things across well, the world we had a bunch of american stats there so i really feel like we need to get some like canadian facts about beer yes so glass all empty is the title for this fact Although you won't find it in regular dictionaries, apparently there's an actual phobia in which sufferers experience fear of seeing an empty beer glass. Um, I actually heard of this before, and I really want to like name a bar af- about like after this if I ever opened one. But the disor- this disorder is called sinocellophobia. Um, fortunately, the good cure is the cure is a good bartender who knows how to keep them coming. <laughs> Not quite a Canadian one, but I thought it was good. Uh, Canadian companies were responsible for pioneering the process of continuous malting and continuous brewing. This has revolutionized the brewing process. We're doing something right. Well done. Um, In the region in Canada with the highest beer consumption per capita, Newfoundland and Labrador, according to Statistics Canada, they found that adults drank the equivalent of 101.2 liters in 2013. Sorry, was that the people on the East Coast drink more? Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> yes. Have you ever met a drunk Newfie? Of course you have, because yes, they're, they're all drunk. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> there's nothing uh-huh. more difficult than understanding, one, a Newfie, two, a Newfie who is drunk. Their slang and just their accents get even more intense. And just yeah. more, like, <laughs> less understandable. It's, it's funny. If you meet a Newfie that's been out of Newfoundland for a long time and they barely have an accent anymore, as soon as you get, like, one beer in them, that's all it is, is accent. Yeah, it just yeah. just comes right back. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, can, 
Canada's most popular alcoholic beverage is also beer, um, which I think it was similar statistic, 45% of all alcohol beverage sales in Canada. And it's not very often that you meet someone who says they don't like beer. It's usually a girl, but mm. generally, yeah, generally. 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 Okay, okay, obviously <laughs> this isn't so black and white. Of course. But on the average, I would say more men like beer than women. I I could see that probably. Yeah. Yes. I I definitely don't know a lot of people though that feel like I don't like beer. That's No, it's, it's that's what I, I mean is yeah. not many people. Not many people. Right? Yeah. But then you also get the guys like more guys who, you know, enjoy their whiskey and their rum and everything mm-hmm. like that. Their scotches. Their their hard liquor. Yeah. Yeah. According to the Conference Board of Canada, one out of every 100 jobs in Canada is supported by the sale of beer, with every dollar we spend on beer generating $1.12 for the nation's economy. This beer economy, in fact, supports 163,200 jobs throughout Canada. So the prohibition is not starting anytime soon. No, we need those jobs. <laughs> we need those jobs. Drink more beer, make more jobs. <laughs> Only drink a don't drink too many beer, but drink enough beer. <laughs> yeah, don't drink too many beer. No, you Be don't want to drink too many. Be safe, but have fun. Yeah. Don't drive. <laughs> Public servant uh, service announcement for the day: Drink beer, but be safe and don't drive. Thank you. And on that note, we're gonna go for a quick break, and we will be back with you momentarily. The most important single central fact about a free market is that no exchange takes place unless both parties benefit. The most important single central fact about a free market is that no exchange takes place unless both parties benefit. And we're back, and it's that special time of day where I get to ask, James, what tickles your fancy? Oh, what tickles my fancy? What tickles your fancy? What tickles your fancy? I love that. I love that question. I was thinking about it today. It's the best question. Yeah. Because we, I was we just want to talk about today. good things. Yeah, just good, great things. Things that inspire us. Things that we exactly. like. I was thinking about how you always answer your tickled fancy. And how you always draw people in with this beautiful <laughs> description of whatever your tickled fancy is. Are you gonna, are you going to steal my jive, Jimmy? I'm not. <laughs> but that's my tickled fancy for today. It's oh. going to be something different, but that's my tickled fancy. Oh. I love how you draw people in and how you just like everybody's like, "Ah, I need to know." And it's always something that you would never expect with your description. <laughs> it's it's always beautiful. I'm always like, "Ah, I knew what you were going to say, but I didn't see it coming." Well, thank you. I, appreci- I yeah. appreciate that because I, I, I go ahead. I, I don't think about it when I do it. I literally just come right <laughs> off the top of the head and I just try and sound really seductive and cool when I do it. I know. And you do You good, do a good job. I think I mentioned before how like ours is just so different. I'm always like, this is my tickled fancy and here's why. And you just like poetry tickled fancy. It's great. It's what, but that's my tickled fancy for the day your description of your tickled fancies well thank you i appreciate that yeah my tickled fancy for the week is when (laughs) you put in a long week 
of hard work. Your legs are tired. You're sweating by your brow. And you're feeling famished. And all of a sudden, it's Good Friday. And what do you know? You get Monday off as well. You have a four-day weekend. That is my tickled fancy, my friend. Four-day weekends. Woo! I love it. I love four-day weekends. Yeah. They're the I best. I know, right? How often do you get a four-day weekend? For me? <laughs> I mean, just anyone. Like, <laughs> no, just in I, anyone in general. I, yes, you. Yeah. You know? Like, how often? It's not very often. Well, I was going to say, for me, I work like two days a week, so. Okay, <laughs> but that's because you're in between jobs, that's, yeah, that's right? Yeah, in between right you know, now. But that's, yeah. that's not a good feeling. That doesn't feel like a weekend. No, no, it's just stressful. Right? When you work five days a week, you know, you're more often than not, you get a three-day weekend. And those are cool, too, obviously, because you get a three-day weekend. Mm-hmm. But, yo, when you get four-day weekends, that is some next-level stuff, right? That is, it's just like that, that beautiful feeling. Like, ah, oh, I got so much time and that, to do all the things. And then you waste two days doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> and then you're frantic on the third day. And then you waste the fourth day because you're like, oh, I got to work tomorrow. Yeah. The, the great part about four-day weekends is also the four-day work weeks that fall betwi- with them. Because you get yeah, one on the front end true. and the back end. It's true. I love it. Yeah. So, topic two for episode 21 of the Roots of Life podcast. Keep listening and you'll find out. You can also go find more episodes of the Roots of Life podcast at rootsoflifepodcast.com. You can also email us if you have questions or topic ideas that you'd like us to talk about. Rootsoflifepodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Roots of Life Pod and Instagram at Roots of Life Podcast where you can see Jimmy posting many beautiful landscapes and inspirational quotes. To get you through your day. I love pretty things. <laughs> I like pretty things too. And that's why topic two is, I think it's a pretty thing in its own right. I agree. And yeah. so you kind of spilled the beans at the beginning and that's... A little bit. Yeah, which is fine. No, it's it, it's no <laughs> secret. I mean, we're going to talk about it. Uh, gonna but so you. everybody kind of knows. We're talking about a trading economy, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I recently became involved in a trade economy, and that's why I want to talk about it because I think it's a great I, I think it's a great idea that not many people are used to. You know, we're we're mm-hmm. from a very young age we're we're taught to either value or devalue a dollar, I guess. You know, really depending on how strong you are financially and if you really care about your finances. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but fair enough. You know, like you're taught from such a young age even you know being a kid if you want something from a store you have to pay for it right and so that's you have to work hard save your money yeah you know if you want some candy you got your mom's got to fork up a dime right whatever it is so i recently started working at a yoga studio one day a week and in return i don't get paid but i get to do free yoga i like that that's a cool idea yeah you get what you want, and they get somebody to clean things. Yeah, that's essentially all I do, is I yeah. clean, I do laundry, I sweep floors mm-hmm. and make things look nice and make sure that the studio is operational, uh, continually operational for everybody who is going to use it throughout the day. And so, yeah, yeah, I just think it's a great idea, um, and it's something that I've come across before within the yoga community, because I've 
done a similar program at or I've had a similar deal I guess at other yoga studios as well and I I'm not entirely sure but I guess it's just maybe something that's common within that community is to uh, give and give back you know yeah is it more like you do uh, moksha yoga right yes yeah do you think it's more like a, a moksha yoga like practice or is it just with all yoga uh i think it might be more based in moksha and hatha uh just because it's like a very holistic kind of uh I don't know, spiritual kind of side of yoga, you know, whereas, Mm -hmm. I don't know, Bikram is very physical and demanding and scripted and it's all the same. And it's just, it's, I don't think they're as focused on community. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from the aspect of community. When I had, when I talked to the girl, she asked me like, why do you want to do this? And I said, well, I've done it before. And for me, it's just really about like I love yoga and I love doing it and it makes me feel good. But the sense of community that I get from when I, when I do do it a lot, it's when you, when you're there, you meet the teachers, right. And you get to know them and you get to know them on a personal level. And then from there you develop those friendships and relationships. And then it's that sense of community within that. And so I found when I did it before was that when I did do it, I developed even better relationships and I got to become more a part of the community and people got to know me and recognize me. And it, it's just, and it's a very happy community. Like everybody is, everybody within that community just has everybody else's best interests at heart. Whereas in many other businesses, it's very doggy dog. Yeah. Like I need to make my buck. And the only way to do that is by making sure you don't make a buck kind of thing, which makes sense. That's why like people, um, barter for things and try and get your price to go down so you don't make as much money so they can make more and things like that yeah so which i think sorry go ahead uh i just wanted to divert a little bit and talk about maybe where the beginning of a trading economy like where did that come Mm -hmm. from where did when do you think that idea started actually that kind of goes along with what i was gonna say i think like i don't know where it would i think well I think I know where it would start. It was like way back in history before, before it was like, we're trading gold pieces for, for whatever. And inst- instead of doing that, they would trade goods and services. I think that's just how humans were before they'd say, okay, I have this bowl that you want for whatever you have. And, but you have that piece of meat that I would like, I will trade you. And, and that kind of thing. Like you have that sword that I want and I will trade you this armor or whatever it is. But I think that's where it started, like, way back. I like your goat. I'll trade you my pretty daughter. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Could have said it better. <laughs> but I think that's also, like, the, the idea behind um, communism as well. Like, communism on paper is amazing. Everyone does their part for the community. Everyone kind of participates and helps create a a better community for everyone where in reality it ends up becoming there's a dictator and all these terrible things but on paper it looks amazing everyone helps each other nobody's selfish everybody only takes what they need not what they want it's cool there's a lot of there's other things too that sound great in theory 
mm-hmm. but when you put them into practice, it's just a no-no. It's just a big <laughs> no-no. It just doesn't work. No, yeah. you just can't do it. I, I like the idea of a tr- uh, like an energy exchange or trade economy. Um, I grew up with with my dad who's in construction, and just like with his with his friends and things like that, they kind of had their own little trade economy where everyone would come over to one person's house and like help them work on the deck or the roof or whatever it was. And then like, you'd kind of give everybody like some beer at the end, 12 case of Budweiser. Let's all have a few beers and whatever days over kind of thing. And then another friend in that group would be like, Hey, I need you guys to come do this thing. And everybody would be like, cool, let's go do that. Cause we, he helped us. And it kind of just like everyone would kind of get their turn to have something that needed to be worked on or some help they needed for different things. And they'd all kind of like trade off. It was always like one of those really cool parts of my childhood that I really liked seeing everybody come together and help. And that's and that's your uh, I think that's a really good example of your dad teaching you what it is to have a sense of community because mm-hmm. that is showing you. Right. Like that's that's how, you know, you, ha- you kind of have to have, I guess, a, friends that you can rely on in that situation. But that's yeah. where that quality over quantity comes in right because if you don't have those people that you can call on right and obviously we all we're all gonna have those friends who like they just take advantage of your time and obviously they never yeah uh, reciprocate that feeling but that's really awesome you know because and yeah i think that's another thing that i just wanted to touch on is if you have something to offer somebody don't be afraid to offer that service to them in return for something you know, mm-hmm. uh, like when I think of art, you know, if you uh, this is something that I've come across before. If if you're a musician and you're doing an album and some and you play guitar and uh, s- but you need a graphic designer and this graphic designer needs somebody to play guitar in a music video, offer to go play guitar in his music video in return for him doing the graphic design for your album, you know, like do you can trade goods like that, especially when you have, when you're skilled at something, right. Put that stuff up online, find ways to offer it out there to the world and ask for something in return. You don't always have to be offered, you know, uh, paid in money and funds. I agree. I like that idea. Or when you have, if like somebody's staying, or if you're going to go stay at somebody's house or something, offer to like cook them dinner one night or something something like that it's kind of a cool idea you have that service you can offer for their hospitality instead of just like hey i'll pay you 50 bucks if you let me sleep on your couch or whatever it's it's more genuine in a way i think the common thing is to put a 12 case of beer at their doorstep (laughs) fair enough that too yeah just like leave a case of beer in the fridge yeah yeah but yeah no i mean it's just obviously you know people do things for you it, it doesn't hurt to do something for them. If you have mm. something that you need, don't be afraid to offer something. The beer thing is like you're still, I think, going out and buying it, which kind of defeats the yeah. purpose of it, right? Unless maybe you're brewing your own beer. But Yeah, there you go. Brew your own beer. Get that home brew. Get the real good beer so it's not that Budweiser. Yeah, none of that Budweiser. <laughs> then, it, then it's really from the heart. Yeah. And it's also good beer. I had... Budweiser when I was in San Francisco one time and it was the most disgusting thing I've ever drank. I believe that's what we used to drink as kids. No, but it's different here. Not as kids. Is it? Yeah, it was I less alcohol in it down there. 
mm. which I think most I, of their beers do have less alcohol. But I was actually just reading, and apparently that might be a myth because of the way that we, the states and Canada, measure the alcohol. They do like we do alcohol by volume, and they do something else. And it's it might it from what I was reading, it actually turns out that they have higher alcohol content. But I don't believe it because what I've had when I've had beer down there is it's not the same. Okay, so hypothetically, like, sure, maybe it has more alcohol content. It was still mm-hmm. the most disgusting beer I've ever drank. More disgusting <laughs> than enough. Budweiser up here. It, it tasted enough. watered down. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've that's what I noticed when I was there too. It tastes like like watered down. Yeah, there's less flavor to it. It wasn't good. I didn't enjoy mm-hmm. it. I bought a twelve case, and then I think I drank one, and I left the rest of the hotel room. Oh wow! Yeah, because I was like, I can't drink it. It was it was that gross. That's. That's gross. Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> when you can't finish your beer, it's probably not good. Anyways, that's the uh, idea of an energy exchange. Do you have any more comments to say about it? Not really. I encourage people just to try yeah. it because especially with the world now and I mean, especially like our economy, our dollar isn't strong here right now. Mm-mm. And so uh, I think naturally people are feeling the pinch and you might not have as many dollars to swing. Uh, unless you're quite well off. But, you know, if you need something, find something to offer people. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Maybe you're a part-time photographer and a friend needs some pictures done for their website or, you know, just do offer something. You know, if you can offer something, then you can ask for something. And I think that's uh, important, right, is you have to you can ask for something, but when you can add value, then it, it gives you more of a right to ask. Yeah, then there's that like free exchange between the people, so both parties yeah. kind of get what they need. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just encourage people, don't be scared to try it. Like, Don't hesitate. So put your foot forward and just try it. And there's, n- there's no tax on trading services. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Topic three. On episode 21 of the Roots of Life podcast. Ako taco. <laughs> Ako taco. Ako taco. <laughs> oh, man. Ako taco is the time me and Jimmy get together to talk about awkward conversations. The conversations that you have to have, but you don't want to have. <laughs> awkward. Awkward. So our awkward conversation for the day is when you know... A story. And you hear somebody twist that story to fit their narrative. What do you do in that situation? What do I do in that situation? Do you call them out? Yeah. Do, you, do you call them out and be like, that's not true? I definitely have. Really? And it doesn't... It, yeah. I bet they got defensive. Oh, very. Yeah. Th- like, I've definitely been like, that's not how it happened. And they just get really upset. And they're like, you're ruining my story. I'm like, well, tell it right. <laughs> because you're almost attacking them in a way. In a right? way, because yeah. Because they're, they're, especially if they're really excited about it and they're having, mm-hmm. you know, they're putting pride behind it and they're excited to tell the story and all of a sudden you're like, that's not how it happened. Yeah. You know, you're, you're almost attacking their pride and then they have the need to defend that honor, right? Yeah. I mean, I've definitely been one of those people that like twist the narrative a little bit. Everybody does stories it. Are, Sometimes stories are boring. You've got to change them to make them interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. But there's been times where I'm like, man, this is a good story without what you're saying. And you 
actually weren't even there. Yeah. <laughs> and like I was and you telling it wrong. So the one that inspired this for me was was the idea that as this like in a high school setting or something mm-hmm. or any setting I guess really where the story gets told once and it's say maybe uh maybe the story is about I don't know a a a theft like a robber breaking into a house yeah. and it's like the first time he the first time the story gets told he propped the door with a crowbar and then the second time it gets told he smashed a window and then the third time it gets told it was like he held someone up at gunpoint and then the, like by the 10th time there was a rocket launcher shot through the front door and SWAT's rolling up on the lawn. And just every time it gets like... <laughs> and like just, 17 people were murdered. And you're like, yeah. whoa. It just like exponentially grows <laughs> yeah. and it just gets... It's like that telephone game. Yeah, yeah. You just expand yeah. on it every time. And then eventually somebody who knows the story is there when it's getting told and they confront you about it. Yeah. I mean, it's... Sometimes, like, if it's just a small thing, it's like, well, you might as well just let it go. It kind of makes the story better. It's cool. But there's other times that I've been in that situation where I'm like, I cannot let you tell it like that. Can you it's can just, you elaborate on the one that you were talking about particularly? Like, without any names, can you tell the story of that they were trying wow. to tell and kind of how they twist it to, like, the actual no, narrative? I can't, I can't remember the story. I just remember, like, sitting there listening and i'm just like looking at them like no i told you this story and now you're telling it to other people in front of me and it's wrong and you're telling it wrong <laughs> i'm like no you I, I can't let you do this and they're like expecting me to be in awe because they forgot that i told them the story brutal so yeah it was it was one of those like they forgot that i was there kind of moments so i was just like ah no, that's not what happened. I don't remember what the story was, though. I just remember the scenario. But did she look good? <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> always. I always feel like this is one that happens more with adolescence, like in the youth. Mm. You know, kids I, always... Yeah, just, I can see that. I don't know if it's because their imaginations run more wild or what causes it but it seems i always i had one friend in elementary school and high school and i always remember him for telling these stories and stuff that wasn't always necessarily true or they were just so over exaggerated in whatever mm. uh way shape or form but yeah yeah i you think it's something that people grow out of as they get older but maybe not yeah i don't know i have like i have a friend where uh he would tell me these stories and then there was one day i was like hey man what are you doing what's going on where are you what are you doing what's going on i put those all together in one (laughs) um but (laughs) and then he told me where he was what he was up to and i was like cool and then i was sitting outside of like the high school we just graduated from um and i was picking up my sister and then i saw him like walk out and i was like you said you were on the other side of town doing something completely different i just got i was like what's going on man he's like Oh, hey. I was like, what are you doing? You just told me you're over there. He's like, yeah, so I didn't actually, like, graduate. He's like, so I'm just here. I just, like, didn't want to tell you kind of thing. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But then, like, I realized, like, there was, like, a lot of stories that he told me that I was like, oh, that's that's not true. That's not true either. <laughs> like, I could just, like, I just knew different things. And it was just like, okay, that's, I know how that happened kind of thing. And that's not how that happened or whatever. So, I, like, there was a lot of stories with him that were that were lies basically and 
I, I don't trust what he says anymore. So I don't know if he's grown out of it or not. But now when he tells me things, I'm like, oh, cool. I'm just not going to take that to heart. I feel bad. I probably should. But I don't know if I can. So. No. And that's the thing is all you have is your word, right? And once mm-hmm. you break that, people aren't going to trust you anymore. And you're just not looked at as reliable and responsible and trustworthy. And once your word's gone, man, you got nothing left. Nobody's going to put any faith in you. It's the same reason. It's the same idea as like, you know, that's why we have credit scores is because it's like you build that trust with the banks. And then as soon as you blow it, that trust is gone and they are not helping you out again. Yeah. Until you can build that back up, I guess. Yeah. And it's really hard to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, not that I know, like I have. I've never really like screwed it up very badly or anything, so I've never like. But I've heard the stories. <laughs> it's like once it yeah. once it's screwed, it's screwed essentially. But it's that's what they say. Yeah. So I think after like bankruptcy, it's like seven years before you can even like think about getting a loan or anything like that again. You're like out for like seven years of the whole system. <laughs> Crazy. So it takes a long time. Yeah. Thank you, everybody for joining us Mm -hmm. on episode 21 of the roots of life podcast my name is taylor you can reach me at taylor gene music on twitter and instagram you can reach jimmy at coach james fitz on twitter and instagram as well or you can find us on rootsoflifepodcast.com rootsoflifepodcast at gmail.com for everything roots of life thank you everybody we want to extend an invitation to everybody to tweet us to let yeah. us know some of your favorite beers or drinks. And if we can find them in our local stores, maybe we will go and try some of them. As you heard, we are both ale fans. So don't tweet us none of that lager shit. <laughs> Unless it's nice in like summertime, like in a few months, go for it. But keep it to the pale ales for now. <laughs> yeah. And if you like all of that, and you're feeling generous, you can support us on patreon.com forward slash roots of life, where you can make different denomination donations and get extra content, early content, all that good stuff. There's lots of little stuff in there. You can go check it out there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We look forward to speaking with you again next week. Until then. Thanks, everybody. Stay weird.